Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight, we're going to get into 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4, 2 Chronicles chapter 1 and Psalm 72. We're going to be talking about the wisdom of Solomon. And uh, we're going to talk about a very, very interesting story in that regard. Uh, and also, we're going to be reading the psalm, uh, Psalm 72, which is an awesome psalm, as always. We are live streaming on TikTok, on Podbean, on several other platforms as well. So welcome, welcome to everyone. First Kings chapter 3, Solomon requests wisdom. Okay, so verse 1. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and all and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walked in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. Notice that, you know, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to offer any kind of sacrifices or incense or do any of these kind of things, uh, in your, in, you know, you can't just do it wherever you want to do it. You have to do it, you know, where the Lord tells you to do it. So it's got to be done in the right way. It's got to be done by the right people, uh, in the right manner, using the right instruments that are, uh, you know, um, atoned for in the right way. Uh, you have to do it at the right place. And you have to use the right animals, of course, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it has to be done just as prescribed. Okay, verse four. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Okay, so let's just skip over here to uh, first or second Chronicles, excuse me, and let's just catch up here. So, second Chronicles chapter one, verse one. Now, Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges, and to every leader in all Israel the heads of the father's houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon for the tabernacle of meeting was, uh, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which, which Moses, the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kiriath Yerim to the place David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, uh, had made, he put before the, the tabernacle of the Lord. Solomon and the assembly sought him there. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? 
Okay, so let's just stop here for a second and compare these two accounts, 1 Kings versus 2 Chronicles. So 2 Chronicles has more detail here about uh, the tabernacle uh, and all that kind of thing. We don't uh, read th those specifics in 1 Kings. It, all it says basically is that uh, in verse 2, this is 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 2. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. So Second Chronicles adds the detail that those sacrifices and the incense uh, was... Um, performed at those high places because the tabernacle itself was there, the tabernacle of Moses. Okay, so again, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And we have the exact same thing spoken of here in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6. Solomon went up there to the bronze altar uh, before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Uh, and so then God asked Solomon, uh, uh, saying, ask, what shall I give you? Okay, let's go back here to 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Let's, let's compare that with 2 Chronicles chapter 1. So Solomon said to God, um, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and made and have made me king in his place. Now, notice, uh, even though we have quotations here around, around this whole entire um, this whole entire uh, thing that, that Solomon said, you notice there is a lot of there's differences here. So uh, what can we learn from this? Okay, well, one thing we can learn again is not to be hyper literal about this. I've said this uh, last night. There are two great errors in reading the scriptures. The first error is being hyper uh, literal. The other error is being hyper spiritual about it. They like say, oh, it's not really, you know, um, it's not really uh, uh it's not for real. It's just a spiritual thing to happen. So either way is, is an error. Uh, so as you see here, even though it's in quotations, we should. And this is what happens a lot of the times. Um, Christians, as they're reading, many Christians, as I should say, um, uh, when they read the, the Word of God, they read it like as if they're a lawyer. They read it like a lawyer. What I mean is they they take every single word as if it is, you know, perfectly delivered to them. And this is what we're going to actually we're going to talk a lot about this tomorrow night with Onia. You know, I'm sure Onia has a lot has a lot to say about this kind of thing. So 
obviously these two quotations, which, you know, to, in today's world, uh, you know, when you, when you quote somebody, you're supposed to quote them word for word. But here you see that's not the case. They're not quoted word for word here. Again, in 1 Kings, you have shown great mercy to your servant, uh, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness in, and in uprightness of heart with you. Uh, you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Wow, that's a long sentence. But over here, it's very, very short. Uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 8, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and made me king in his place, period. Okay? A lot of difference there. A lot of difference. Okay, let's go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, the next verse. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king, king instead of my father David. But I am, a, I am a little child. I do not know how to, to go out or come in. What does it say over here in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 9? Now, O Lord my God, okay, that's, that's all in accordance. That's, that's, that lines up perfectly, but the rest of it doesn't. Let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Okay, so you see how Second Chronicles has, in this case, it has just summarized what Solomon said here. Like for example, in Second Chronicles chapter one verse eight, it's a very very short summarization of this entire sentence here in First Kings chapter three verse six. We have a lot more over here than we do in Second Chronicles. So Second Chronicles made it just basically short and sweet, for lack of a better way of putting it. And it's the same way with this, because uh, in Second in First Kings chapter three verse seven, it says, "Now, O Lord my God, you have made your king." or excuse me, you've made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I do not know how to go in or, or, or excuse me, go out or come in. And your servant as is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. So those two verses have been summarized and shortened in Second Chronicles chapter 1 into one verse by saying, Now, O Lord God, let the promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Period. Okay? So again, um, let's keep in mind that the scriptures in many places, and this is a great example of it, the scriptures are loosely written. They're not written like how, uh, again, like how you would expect them to be written and how a lot of Christians would uh, interpret them and read them to be written as in, in like word for word, you know, very, very like, like as if they're a lawyer. Like I said, a lot of the, a lot of Christians they read the, the Word of God or the Scriptures as if uh, as if it's as if they're a lawyer. They hang on every single word, but 
as we see here, it's not necessarily a good thing to do because you can miss a lot of things. You can misinterpret a lot of things. Okay, let's go over here to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? So this, let's check out this uh, footnote. Uh, therefore, give your servant an understanding heart. In the footnotes, it's literally a hearing heart. And that's a very good thing to know because, I mean, uh, you know, all good understanding comes from hearing, right? All good wisdom, all uh, all good humility. I mean, humility is uh, manifest in the ability to listen. The ability to listen. Once again, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Therefore, give, give to your servant an understanding heart or a listening heart, a hearing heart, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Who or for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And again, let's go over here to Second Chronicles chapter one verse ten. Again, this is within the quotes. So I mean, according to most people today, how they would read it, it should be word for word. But of course, it's not word for word. It says, "Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours?" Hmm, that's that's a bit different, isn't it? Isn't that a bit different? It's a bit different, to say the least. It's a bit different. Okay, so I find it very interesting here in Second Chronicles. It talks about going in and come or going out and coming in before this people, whereas uh, it it didn't mention that that kind of phraseology earlier as first Kings chapter three did first uh, Kings chapter three verse seven. I do not, I do not know how to go out or come in. Okay. Um, and so uh, Chronicles missed it up, you know, earlier, but they added it in later. First Kings chapter three, verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that, that Solomon had asked this thing. Now let me just stop here for a second. Why would this speech please the Lord? Why would this be pleasing to God? Because Solomon wasn't asking for himself. He wasn't, it wasn't a selfish prayer. It wasn't like, you know, oh Lord, bless me, you know, bless me and mine and, and all this kind of thing. It was rather just like, Lord, help me to rule the, the these people. Help me to judge these people. Help me to know the difference between right and wrong, basically. A lot of Christians should be praying that. Solomon had the Torah, but yet he prayed that. Christians don't even acknowledge the Torah for the most part, and they don't even pray that. <laughs> they don't even pray that. So that's that's the reason why it pleased God. Solomon was not mindful of himself. He was mindful of the, of the sheep. Okay? Compare that with 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11. Then God said to Solomon, okay, so this completely... Uh, Second Chronicles completely leaves this this verse out completely. Verse ten leaves it out completely. 
Um, but let's read it anyway. Second Chronicles chapter one, verse 11. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemy or the life of your enemies, uh, you have asked, nor have you asked for long life but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have have, have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Now, for those of you who are... If, for our dear Christian brothers and sisters who believe Bible believing Christians, Bible believing Christians, those of you who do take it very, very literally, you got a problem here. You have a problem. God said to Solomon, there will be nobody that will be wise as you ever. In, 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 in wisdom and the knowledge granted to you uh, will be such as none has, uh, of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Now, again, a lot of Christians who take this very literally, that disqualifies Jesus for being the wisest, most knowledgeable man ever to live. Clearly, okay? I just want to point that out. Why am I doing this? Because I'm trying to, uh, let, let's let's learn how to interpret the scriptures. Let's learn how the scriptures were written. Let's, let's learn how to, to look at it, how, it, you know, how to read it. That's a very interesting one. That's a very interesting thing because, you know, most Christians would say that Jesus is the mo- the wisest, most knowledgeable, you know, uh, man that ever lived. But it says here, God told Solomon, nobody shall be as wise as you after you. Interesting. Okay, let's compare that with 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this, this thing and have not asked for uh, long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Notice over here in Second Chronicles, it says, have asked wisdom and knowledge. For yourself that you may judge my people. But here it says you have asked for um, understanding for your, you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you, I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you nor shall any like you arise after you. Verse 13, and and I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you 
If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. There's a condition. If. Everything's always conditional. See, now that is not recorded here. Okay, in 2 Chronicles. Going back here to 1 Kings chapter 3. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Over here in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tabernacle of meeting, and reigned over Israel. Okay, so again, there's what's what's going on here. So Solomon awoke and he came to Jerusalem over here. He came to Jerusalem from the high place. Okay, from the high place that was at Gibeon. From before the tabernacle of meeting and and, and reigned over all reigned over Israel. Okay, so um 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. Okay, well, let's read this in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 17. And one woman said, O my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I have I had given birth, that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the living one is your son. Excuse me, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought, they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and and said, Give the first woman the living child, 
and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was with him to administer justice. Okay, so just before we get into um, just a quick little word here about this. So we got the wisdom of Solomon who tested the women to find out which is the one who actually had, who actually loved the child more. And that's the child, that's the woman who is the real mother. Because the one that um, is not the real mother wouldn't love the child that much. And so that's the, uh, that's the reasoning behind that. Very, very interesting. Great Deception says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Great Deception. Good to see you. Bibi says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Shalom Bibi. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome. So let's continue. First Kings chapter 4. So King Solomon was king over all Israel. And these were his officials. Azariah, the son of Zadok the priest. Elihoreph and Ahiah, the sons of Shishai, or Shisha, scribes. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, the recorder. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Azariah, the son of Nathan, over the officers. Zabud, the son of Nathan, a priest and the king's friend. Ahishar, over the household. And Adoniram, the son of Abda, over the labor force. And Solomon had 12 governors over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. These are the, their names. Ben-Hur in the mountains of Ephraim, Ben-Deker in Makaz, Shaalbim, Beit Shemesh, and Elon Beit Hanan. Ben-Hazed, Chesed, it's a good name, Ben Hesed, Ben meaning the son of, of kindness, Chesed, kindness. Let's see what the footnotes says here. Yeah, it's the son of Hur, the son of Decker, son of, son of Hesed is the son of kindness. In Aruboth, to him belonged Sukho and all the land of Hefer. Ben Abinadab, in all the regions of Dor, he had Tafath. The daughter of Solomon as wife. Baana, the son of Ahilud, in Taanak, Megiddo, and all Beit Sheon, which is beside Zaritan, below, uh, below Yezreel, from Beit Sheon to Abel um, Meholah, as far as the other side of Yokneam. Ben Geber in Ramoth Gilead. To him belonged the towns of Yair, the son of Manasseh in Gilead. To him also belonged the region of Argob in Bashan, 60 large cities with walls and bronze gate bars. 
Ahinadab, the son of Edo in Mahanaim, Ahimaaz in Naphtali. He also took Basimoth, the daughter of Solomon, his wife. Baana, the son of Hushai in Asher and Aloth. Yehoshaphat, the son of Parua in Issachar. Shimai, the son of Elah in Benjamin. Geber, the son of Uri in the land of Gilead. In the country of Sihon or Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. He was the only governor who was in the land. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. The river would be typically Euphrates. Yeah, the Euphrates down here. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now Solomon. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, and 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tisa even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on every side all around him. You know, his name actually means peace, right? Solomon is a variation of shalom, which means peace. So you notice, you see this all the way through the scriptures where the name of a person is often fulfilled in that person. The meaning of the name of the person, I should say, is fulfilled in their lifetime. For example, Elijah, you know, Elijah, Eliyah, or Eliyahu. Uh, his, the great thing about El, uh, Eliyahu was when he was on Mount Carmel and he said, let them know that you are God. Basically, let them know that Yah or Yahu is Eli, God. So he fulfilled his name, Eliyahu, which means Yah is God. <laughs> so it's amazing. As you see this in pretty much every one. Uh, of the of the people in the scriptures, their name is fulfilled in their lifetime. Continuing with First Kings chapter four verse twenty five, and Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and, and his fig tree, from Dan as far as as Beersheba, all the days of Solomon, all the days of peace. Solomon had forty thousand stalls of horses for his chariots. And 12,000 horsemen, okay? I'm going to stop here because we can compare some of the things that are said over here in Second Chronicles. So in Second Chronicles chapter 1, continuing with verse 13, So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon. Okay, so we read that. Verse 14, And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Okay, so over here in 1 Kings chapter 4, it says Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. Whereas 2 Chronicles says Solomon, Solomon had 1,400 chariots. 
one's got to wonder what he's doing with 40,000 stalls if he's only if he only has 1400 of them but let's check out the footnotes ah see there's quite a bit of a difference between the manuscripts here see with the Masoretic text most uh, most uh, most other authorities some of the Septuagint manuscripts say 4000 4,000. By the way, let's just let's just check that out. Let's do our own. Let's check it out for ourselves here in the Septuagint. So I'm just going to copy this over and change that NKJV into the Septuagint and see what that says. So this is a, an English translation of the Greek Septuagint. Um, <clears throat> so we got to go to verse 26. Verse 26 here. Well, we got some omitted text in the Septuagint, according to this. It doesn't tell us what it is. Hmm. That is interesting, isn't it? Omitted text. It says it right there anyway. It's, it's omitted from the from that from this particular Septuagint. Uh, but in according to the footnotes on the uh NKJV here says that it is actually in the Septuagint as a, di a different number, not 40,000, but rather 4,000, which makes a whole lot more sense. If there are 4,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and there's 1,400 chariots, that makes a little bit more sense than having 40,000. Um, anyway, let's, let's um, uh, compare a little bit more here. So we got 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots here. Over here, it's 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. 12,000 horsemen is the same here. Okay, so 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 27. And these governors, each man in, in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to him or came to King Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom exceedingly, exceedingly great, excuse me, and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Very, very powerful. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 4. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Haman, Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. This is, this is very interesting here. And uh, this is something we might want to ask uh, Oni about tomorrow, um, seeing that we have like three, I don't know how many, if, if anybody's ever uh, actually looked up how many, um, uh, how many proverbs there actually are in the book of Proverbs? But I'm not. Three thousand sounds like a lot more than what we have. And his songs, it says, were one thousand and five. One thousand and five songs. 
how many songs do we have in, in, the actual, in, in the actual Bible? Right? We have the Song of Solomon, right? Verse 33, and he spoke of trees, uh, excuse me, also he, he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish, and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Let's continue over here in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Well, let's read verse 14 again. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. Uh, he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the, with the king in Jerusalem. Also, the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as sycamores which are in the lowland. And Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Cava. The king's merchants brought them in, brought them in Cava at the current price. Excuse me, bought them in Cava at the current price. They also acquired and imported from Egypt a chariot for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. Thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. All right, see what we got here. We're going to, let's read Psalm 72. And then I'll get to your questions and your comments. Psalm 72, verse 1. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your, and your poor with justice. So what does it mean here that he will judge your people with righteousness? Again, we have a lot of different definitions of what righteousness is, right? In the Christian world, righteousness just means faith or, you know, just going forward and accepting Jesus and you got the, the righteousness of Christ on you now. You're clothed with the righteousness of Christ, which in all reality, it's the emperor's new clothes. That's what it is. Brainwashing people to think that they're righteous when they're not, especially when they live like the world, talk like the world, look like the world. He will judge your people with righteousness. See, righteousness is the, the um, it's a state of being right. It's, it's, it's doing what's right. It's being right, being in the right place. Okay, so judging with righteousness means that you judge right. You know, I just, I just came to my mind that it says, you know, that according to the Gospel of John, John chapter 7, let me just show you guys here. Um, John chapter 7, verse 24, judge not according to the appearance. So th these, by the way, are the words of the Lord according to the Gospel of John. Judge not according to the, the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? Again, righteous judgment is judge, judging righteously or judging right, simply judging right. You make right judgment, that's righteous judgment. Okay. In other words, do not judge just by mere appearance. 
but judge rightly. That's basically what it's talking about here. Verse 3 of Psalm 72, The mountains will bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the, the children of the needy, and will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish, and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Thank you for the likes over there on TikTok. He shall, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy. He will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. And precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth, on top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall, shall call him blessed. blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the King of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. You, know, you see these people that drop in the live chat. And this is, what, this is what I get all the time on TikTok. You get these people that drive, drop in the live chat. They drop a comment and run. They drop and run. Because they're not here for it. It's just malicious. They're not here to learn anything. They're not here to actually, they're not here because they care. They're here because they hate. Excuse me. They're here because they hate, right? That's what happens. If they're really, if they care enough for the truth, and if they think they're right, they should stick around until I address their, their comment. But apparently they don't because they're, they're quite frail and frivolous. 
Okay. Um, I was debating whether or not I should get into the Song of Solomon. And the Song of Solomon is the next on our on our uh, uh, schedule. However, um, since I didn't really advertise it, I think I'll just leave it. I'll leave it until um, until later. So, yeah. Thank you very much over there on TikTok. All right. Uh, unless we have any good questions and comments, I'm going to wrap it up. Someone over here on TikTok says, "I'm I'm here." Um, who are you? So tomorrow night we have Onia with us. Okay, Onia is going to be with us, Lord willing, and he will be talking about the uh, uh, the manuscripts, some of the ancient manuscripts. I'm sure he's got something to show you guys. And um, and so we're going to talk a lot about that. I think it's very important for every believer to uh, to understand, uh, you know, not to be in denial of anything, not to be bibliolaters and you know idolizing their favorite Bible version or Bible canon, whatever the case is. Uh, I think we should be very knowledgeable about about the evidence that's out there. And we need to know how to uh, to address people's uh, uh, people's questions and comments in a matter of fact way. The problem is a lot of people what they do is they 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 speak out of feelings rather than knowledge, right? Because we say things that is against what they've always believed, they don't think. For themselves, they just oh, they, you know, they're offended and they 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 start calling names or they start, you know, uh, just being malicious instead of being really truthful, um, asking good questions, you know, uh, all that kind of thing. Byron says I'm busy right now, uh, but I'm listening. Awesome, Byron. Yeah. So again, like again, we have this this one comment over here on on YouTube. It seems like someone just dropped that and run. Again, this is very this is very typical of people. Uh, uh, they think that uh, it, they they don't search they don't search for truth. It's like they think they know it all. They think they know all the truth. It's like you know what? If truth leads you to uh, to go different to to uh, to a different view other than what you've always been told or what you've always believed, you should follow the truth. And if you have any good questions, uh, I'm just going to stick on here for just a, just about a minute longer here. But if there's any more honest questions, I'm gonna I, I will address them. Any more honest questions or, or comments, I will address them. Otherwise, uh, we will uh, we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Again, I I I am looking forward to tomorrow uh, and Saturday as well. Usually, Saturday is more of an open, what I call like an open mic kind of uh, thing where people can come on, um, and, um, and ask questions or just hang out fellowship. Like we, like we've had, uh, you know, uh, uh, before in the past, which is a very, very, uh, very good thing, uh, to have, uh, you know, a brother or a sister with us and fellowshipping with us and, uh, sharing their testimony or, you know, sharing what, uh, what God has been showing them recently and their and all that kind of thing is awesome. So I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm, uh, I'm up for that. If any one of you are serious about, um, about fellowship, if you want to come on here as a guest, Saturday is the day to do it. Saturday at 2 PM Eastern. I'll have it open for any 
um, any honest brother or sister to come on with me, whether you whether you agree with me or not. If you agree with me, great. If you don't agree with me, come on here anyway and bring your evidence. Bring your evidence. If you have good evidence, guess what? If you have good evidence, I'm going to be saying to you, hey, you're right, man. I, it's awesome. Which is, you know, if you don't have good evidence, I'm going to say, you know, this is not good evidence. Okay, then. So I'll wrap it up. Caballero says, thank you for today's Bible reading. See you tomorrow. Thank you very much, Caballero. See you tomorrow. One John says, thank you. Looking forward to tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Vinny as well. Thank you, Christopher. God bless everyone. Shalom. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Uh, the Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you, brother. And blessings multiplied back to you as well. Deborah says, thank you, Christopher. The study has been great. At least I know if I ask you anything about the other books, uh, I won't be shunned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think we believe in having an open mind, you know, not an empty mind, but an open mind. You know, we have to have an open mind. You know, uh, God is unlimited. And so uh, there's, uh, there is so much knowledge and so much to learn out there. And I mean, we're all in the same boat. We're all learning all the time. And it's just a pleasure to, to learn with you guys. Tammy says, see you tomorrow. Excited. Thank you very much, Tammy. See you as well. Blessings, blessings multiplied, you guys. I appreciate every one of you. You guys are awesome, okay? And uh, and so I appreciate even even those of you who are in the background. You're not you're not uh, interacting with the live chat. That's 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 fine. I appreciate every one of you. All right. So I'll see you tomorrow again, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're not subscribed or if you're, if you're not following, make sure you're, you're following. Make sure you have those notifications on so that when I do go live, you can jump on right away. As I said, tomorrow's going to be, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a wonderful conversation, especially with people who may not agree with everything that, that is said. So invite all your friends and your family. Because we're going to be talking about whether or not the manuscripts, the ancient manuscripts are uncorrupted, incorruptible. Okay? We're going to be talking about all that stuff. Is the Bible that we have, is it 100% accurate to the way it was, you know, a thousand years ago or 2,000 years ago? We're going to talk about all that stuff. Okay, guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, as usual, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.